Hello, I'm Alan Libsey, and welcome to the CFA UK's In Conversation podcast. Uh, this is the show for investment professionals, all about issues and insights and interests in today's profession. Uh, in this episode, uh, I will be talking to Elise Badoy. She is the deputy head of European Research for City here in London. So Elise, it is really nice to see you again. I haven't seen you in a long time, I think. Um, Thanks so much for, for joining me today. Uh, boy, it's really been a, a strange year in the markets, hasn't it? I know you probably have heard that a hundred times, but we've had feast, famine, and feast again. Uh, IPOs are flying, M&A deal uh, headlines follow one after another. Can I ask, how is your research team coping? How about you? How are you coping? But How's your research team coping? Hi, Alan, and thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to contribute to the CFA UK in Conversation series. I'm a proud holder of my uh, CFA charter, so really delighted to contribute. Um, So, look, I mean, obviously, city research analysts at the moment are all working from home. So this is our entire European platform, part of our Asia platform and our entire US platform everybody at home. Um, We made the move uh, overnight in March. uh, And initially, obviously, uh, this was also in the middle of very, very challenging markets. So it wasn't like we went home and we were relaxing and just setting up IT. Uh, We had to set up IT, but we also had more client conversations than ever at the same time. So perhaps one of the first learning I would say is that uh, it came uh, as a very positive thing that we actually had encouraged way before that sort of a couple of years ago, our analysts to from time to time work at home. So, you know, everybody had a login and um, perhaps as opposed to other professions, analysts were more prepared to work from home because they do that regularly. I think, however, what's changed, and this has been the biggest work experiment that, you know, uh, we've been under, if you set aside, you know, the health issues and and the difficult uh, moments for everybody, you can actually see this as the biggest work experiment that the world has ever embarked on. So it does raise some important questions. How do we continue on the job training as efficiently? you know, but we had happy surprises on that. For example, our junior analysts are finally able to meet their US or Asia clients uh, and normally would take a trip to do that. And usually that trip initially at the beginning of one's career, that trip is normally uh, done by the senior analyst. So actually we had some happy surprises even uh, on the side of training. Uh, but I think the most important thing is we've seen a radical shift to perception uh, when it comes to working from home. Uh, and that is also from our partners, for example, in trading, in sales. Uh, traditionally, this has been seen, it's quite gender biased, right, towards women. And it's related to constraints, personal constraints. Actually, now all our employees understand that one can work from home at times more efficiently than from the office, actually most of the time. So the question is, how do we build a workplace of the future strong from these learnings? Uh, uh, and and that's, that's what has happened. Okay, that's good. So it's, it's not been too bad a, a crisis, at least in this last, three, four, five months, but presumably the, the need for in-depth knowledge on companies is greater now than, than ever uh, this year. So how are your clients' needs changed uh, for research consumption? Have you noticed a, a difference? 
So look, first of all, our clients have gone through uh, the same process. So they all, for most of them, went home. And uh, so we all sort of were in it together, facing the same challenges. I think, you know, that was certainly, that's certainly something. But first of all, we've seen a strong increase in client interactions uh, uh, and readership. Uh, you know, you may think, this was there was a sense of end of the world in uh, in the press and you know and obviously uh, you know uh, we're thinking about the community and and how the how the world was impacted but in terms of our work day to day we we had to be answering our client needs more than ever uh, some were facing liquidity constraints uh, there were extreme squeeze movements in the market but what we've seen in city research is a strong rise in client interactions higher readership of our notes. And what's changed really is not those interactions and the readership, but really the shift to virtual meetings and the increase in video consumption. Um, our clients have also cut on their commute time and all that time is reinvested uh, in participation in events and, and interactive moments. We've also seen a rise in uh, take up for uh, our traditional conferences. Um, I guess before uh, to go to a conference, you had to be physically available, but all of a sudden you could be uh, participating in a conference in Asia and a conference in Europe. So it has helped us as well. I mean, we're a global uh, research department. Uh, I have to say we've, we've seen Clients participating, so uh, you know across the world and using that time a lot more efficiently. So things are okay, and, <laughs> and, and as you were saying, this has actually been a good opportunity to get some of your junior analysts some experience that they didn't have, and also you're probably reaching out to clients that you might not have reached out to or been able to meet with before. Um, but uh, I know you were saying to me before that as a department, you you, you still expect more M and A in Europe. Uh, well, why is that? Well, you were giving me some of the reasons. Why, why do you expect that? Yes, I think, uh, Luca, as, as we entered the, 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 the crisis, this was a health crisis, but this became a form of financial crisis, right? Um, but very different from, let's say, other financial crises, notably the global financial crisis, because that crisis didn't emerge from banks. It emerged from, uh, obviously, it was a health, a health situation. Um, but what we've seen is we've seen the response for this from the central banks, and that's created a lot of debt. And uh, we've seen companies, corporates building quite large cash buffers, obviously, and borrowing rather cheaply. So when you look at the market now, uh, six, nine months down the line from the March point, and I'm talking for Europe here, because let's remember that obviously this crisis started way earlier in Asia, but in Europe, this started in March. Well, from March, obviously, the market has picked up quite markedly and the performance has been actually strong. What we tend to see is that six, seven months after a strong rally in the equity market, at any given point in time, you can look at 2003, 2009, usually you tend to have MNA. Um, and this time around, we also have quite you know, large cash buffers uh, that money needs to be invested. I don't think there's much appetite, especially in Europe, for um, dividends uh, and paying large dividends because obviously it may not be as acceptable or definitely what the company wants to do. So we expect more MNA because the conditions are here and we've just had the fantastic and very positive news of vaccine coming through. So obviously there might be bump, the road might be bumpy on implementation, but 
ultimately that news is there and that will give the confidence that's required to reach to more M&A. And so which of these uh, sort of sectors mm -hmm. do you think are more likely to see the, 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 the big attention from investors now? And, you know, what are, what are you, what's your team expecting? What are you expecting? So look, I mean, I think when you look at uh, M&A, uh, you really have three sort of type of motivations or three buckets. I would bucket the sectors, right? The first motivation is actually defensive and you have hugely challenged sectors. So these sectors um, are, are facing very difficult conditions and they need to consolidate to make sure that they remain resilient. Obviously airline and transport um, is, you know, is there, but that's also true about the banking sector and the financing sector uh, where more consolidation should be expected with low rates, banks are challenged and obviously, um, you may see more consolidation there. Secondly, I think you should look at uh, the growth type of motivation. So if you're a company that actually uh, is doing well in this situation, you, you might want to acquire another one and, and use that cash to grow. And that's going to be food delivery, for example, or food retail. I mean, those sectors are doing well. So for gross reasons, they may transform. And obviously the companies that need to transform uh, from an ESG perspective. So decarbonization is there. And if you want to shift towards that, so that's sort of the gross motivated M&A. Um, Finally, you may see Bolton. And uh, we've just seen a, a large transaction in pharma, but actually it still sort of fits in the bolt-on definition. We're very unlikely to see transformative, um, we believe, uh, transactions in pharma simply because uh, these tends to be quite strategic and nationally strategic companies post the pandemic, mm. which has changed from before. Mm. Uh, this is now, the, these are now national champions, really. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, okay, so there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, that's all very, very interesting. Thanks so much, uh, Elise, for chatting to me and, and to all our members. Um, and, and thank you all for very much for listening. Uh, look out for our next podcast. Details are in the regular CFA UK newsletter or subscribe to CFA UK's SoundCloud channel. And you can find out more at www.cfauk.org slash podcast. Thank you.